Hey, this fall, we're gonna study the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. It's about the history of Israel. And it's in Nehemiah that we see the walls and the gates of Jerusalem have broken down. Uh, right? And the wall and the gates, that would have been a symbol of security and safety for the people. And in our day, we don't, we don't have walls and gates, but we do have symbols of security and safety. I mean, you see a lack of confidence in those in positions of authority. Uh, we see more skepticism with the local church. Uh, we see uh, struggling doubts with our economy. Even in our friends and our family, there's fractures that are setting in. Well, in the book of Nehemiah, the Lord is going to walk us through a process to find our safety and security, not in the things of the world, but in Him. And so come with us, whether you're in person or online, like, share, subscribe, invite as many as possible to study the book of Nehemiah with us this fall. All right, go ahead and find a seat. We'll get started. Welcome to North Village Church. My name is Michael. It's great to see you here uh, this morning. And uh, we're, our, our church family, this next 12 months, we're focused on build and belong, right? And, and it's about being a family. And so if you're new here this morning, uh, it's a great time to visit North Village Church because we're, we're talking about what it means to be a family. We're, we're talking about what it means to build those closer relationships with one another. And, 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 and so if you see these tablets uh, going through the aisle, the whole purpose of those tablets is for us to, to, to know each other and to stay connected to one another. And so feel free to provide whatever information you're comfortable with if you're new. Uh, but that's our, that's our focus these next 12 months is to, is to be a family. And we're going to see the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament kind of help us cast that vision for what it looks like to build and belong in closer uh, relationships with one another. If you're new to the uh, Bible, then the book of Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Uh, and it's about the history of Israel at a time when the spiritual leaders and the political leaders are neglecting to do their job. And so the God of Scripture, he allows these foreign uh, empires to, to bring judgment. So uh, empires like Assyria, uh, Babylon, uh, Persia. Uh, come in and they bring judgment on the nation of Israel so that the best and brightest of Israel are actually deported out of Israel to live in this foreign land. Uh, so that today, 2022, we're, you know, the United States, uh, we're not Israel, uh, right? And, and uh, we're not in the same context of Nehemiah, uh, but, but we do see in our country today that spiritual leaders and political leaders are, are, are not doing the best that they could, right? No matter where you land uh, politically, I think it's easy on both sides to see it could be better, right? And, and then as a country, uh, you know, there's, there's fractures uh, in our country where we don't feel as safe uh, as, as we could. Uh, we, we feel vulnerable, I think, now more than we have in a, in a long time. Uh, and then even in our church family, we, we see opportunities of where we could grow closer uh, together. And so Nehemiah is helping us to move in that direction, to, to build uh, closer relationships, so close that we actually feel like we belong, all right, that we belong uh, in, in our faith with Jesus and we belong in our relationships with one another. And so we're going to see three uh, points here uh, this morning. Uh, one is uh, how it all starts, Nehemiah chapter 3, and then the second is the people, and then, the, and then three is uh, the results. So let's look at this first one, how it all starts. 
I hope you have your devotional. This is our gift to you. Everybody gets one. Uh, Amazon makes it so easy to provide to our church family. These are our sermons for the next 12 months. Uh, You can read ahead. Uh, Hopefully, you'll start tomorrow uh, morning and and be reading about what we're going to study next Sunday. That way, we come in to get the most out of our our time together. Uh, So let's read verses 1 and 2. Nehemiah chapter 3 says, Then Eliashib... All right, the high priest arose with his brothers, the priests, and built the sheep gate. So if you weren't here last Sunday, right, chapter 2, Nehemiah identifies the problem. He presents the plan. He said, hey, let's rise up and build. And the people are like, let's do it. Let's go. And then chapter 3, here we go. They do it. Right? They consecrated it. They hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the tower of the hundred and the tower of Hananel. Next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Emery, built, right? So if you haven't uh, looked ahead, hopefully you are. Hopefully last week you've been studying Nehemiah chapter 3. But it's possible that you got to Nehemiah chapter 3 and you saw a whole list of people and you just kind of turned the page, right? You get to that part of your Bible where you start seeing all these names. And it's just, it's difficult for us to emotionally connect with a passage full of names of people that we don't know. And we're not going to remember after today, right? And so that, that there, there's some challenges uh, just as, as we get into it. But, but, but I think there's a way for us to connect with this passage. And, and one is, is, is that we have to remember kind of the emotional place that these people are in in Nehemiah chapter 3. That, that some people got deported out of Israel and some people have been there the whole time. So for the the 140 years, these walls have been broken down, rubble, burning with fire, and they've been living there every day. So you can imagine the emotional weight that would take on a a person to live in that. Like imagine if our Civil War happened in 1880s, and still today in 2022, if you still saw just broken down, I don't know, cannons and just dead horse carcasses, right, And, and burnt down uh, homes and rubble. I mean, imagine generation after generation after generation. If not, That's where these people are. So we may not emotionally connect with Nehemiah chapter 3, but you need to know the people of Nehemiah chapter 3 are emotionally invested in what's taking place. Uh, the second challenge we have is just in our culture, Western countries in the United States, we're individualistic uh, mindset kind of people. Uh, that we, we tend to think about our, ourself as an individual than we do contrasted with a communal. Maybe like Asian countries and, and uh, in Latin America are very, very, uh, very communal compared to Western countries like the, the United States. We're very individualistic. And so that even creates a barrier for us uh, in, in the United States as we look at uh, the list of these names uh, because we just don't resonate immediately with a group of people doing something, right? Does that make sense? It's because we're individualistic, right? You know this. This is not new information. Uh, So that bleeds into the way we look at our economy. We look at our economy, and we're thinking about our career, our job, the money that we make and and the things that we want to buy. We think politically. We think about who we want to vote for. We're not thinking about what's What's best for the nation? We're thinking, what's best for me, right? Who do I want? This even bleeds into how we think about our sexual lives. Well, that'll wake you up. Good morning, right? But if you notice, if you look, look at how we approach in the Western the United States, like sexually, our immediate thought is, well, 
I want to do what makes me feel good and what feels right to me and what makes sense to me. And it's because of that individualistic mindset. Sometimes that bleeds into our faith. Right? It's just a challenge we have being in the United States so that when we walk in on a Sunday morning, our immediate thought is what do I get out of it? It's just a reality. What do, what do I get out of this community group? What do I get out of this, this relationship? And the reason we think that is, is because of our individualistic background, right? It's just a part of our, our culture. So that when you go to Nehemiah chapter 3, like if we were writing Nehemiah chapter 3, we would have made Nehemiah the focal point of Nehemiah chapter 3. But if you scan chapter 3, you don't even see Nehemiah show up. You see a guy named Nehemiah, but it's a different Nehemiah. It's not the same Nehemiah. And we would write it totally different. We would have started off chapter 3 and like, and then Nehemiah rose to the front. And he said, you go here and you go there, right? And in the movie, the camera would have panned in on Nehemiah. The people in the background would have faded to a distance and we would have erupted in applause. We would have loved it because we would see ourselves as Nehemiah, right? That's the story we would want. In chapter 3, but the God of Scripture knows the story we need. And what we need is we need to see that we are not individuals alone. That we are a part of a community. right? That we are a part of a body. So let's look at some of these people. Let's look at some of these people. Our second sub-point, the people. Right? We're going to look at uh, verses 1 and 2 again. Uh, we're, just, we're not going to do every verse, but we're just going to pull out some of these People. Verse 1, then Eliashib, the high priest, look at that. The high priest is involved in building the sheep gate. The sheep gate would have been the gate by which the surrounding areas would have brought their sacrifices to the temple for the high priest as an act of worship. And so verse 1, the high priest is in there getting his hands dirty. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's not normal for high priests to be out there building walls, right? Stones and mortar. I mean, high priests were elevated in the community. Their job was to pray for the people, to, to provide sacrifices for the people, to lead the people spiritually. And right here in verse 1, we see it's not about titles. It's not about status symbols. We see the high priest getting his hands dirty. All types of people are going to be involved. I remember when I worked at a, a larger church, uh, at one point they said, Michael, go around and try to get other people to help us move these tables and chairs. And so I went around the larger church, and, and one uh, person said to me, uh, I'm a pastor. I don't move tables and chairs. And I said, uh, okay. <laughs> but sometimes we have that mindset, right, that that's beneath me. But that's not what we see. In Nehemiah chapter 3, the people don't care about their status symbols and titles, right? They're, they're coming together for a common good. Why? Why? Why would people not care about their titles? Like, we have that value here in our culture today. What has to happen for a people to set those status symbols aside, right? It's a theme we're going to see over and over in chapter 3, that if we want to do something great, if we want to be a part of something great, then it's not about what we can do individually, but it's what we can accomplish collectively. And you see it right there in verse 2. Some people get recognition, right? Verse 2, you see Zakur, the son of Emery Bill. His name shows up in the chapter. But right before him, it's just 
men of Jericho built. What? You know they had names. Why did one get a name and the other person just get men of Jericho? Right? Because they're, they're a part of the collective. That's the great thing that's unfolding. Right? They get to accomplish something together. Look at verse 3. Now the sons of Hesanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its door with its bolts and bars. In verse 3, we see the sons of Hesanah building the fish gate. I mean, I'm just guessing the fish gate where they brought in the fish that came in from the sea. And I'm guessing a fish gate in the middle of summer in the Middle East probably didn't smell that great. Right? There were, there were other jobs that you might want to do. But in verse 3, we see, right, that's not what's important. It's not about what's fun and what's not fun, what's best for them and what's not best for them. They're coming together. You see, one of the biggest challenges in, in us being able to accomplish something as a church family is that the Lord has to move us to a place where we stop comparing ourselves to other people. It's going to hinder us from, from accomplishing our, our goal this next year of build and belong is because immediately we start thinking, well, what are they doing? How much time are they spending? What type of recognition are they getting? How come nobody's noticing me? And, and we start drifting into that individualistic mindset, right? And it, it just it, it causes us to get stuck in a rut. And so we need the Lord to move in our church family so that we care more about the whole than we do the individual. That's what we need, that we care more about the collective effort than the individual effort. That's the opportunity we have for our church family this next year. This is deeply, deeply embedded in us, right? That, that individualistic mindset. It's going to be hard. we got to push through that because in every one of us, we have responsibilities, we have jobs, we have families, we, 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 we have a career path, we have hobbies, and, and those things are important. And there's so much pressure in our culture today is that you need to do something great in those areas in life. That's why we feel so much pressure to work on those areas because you got to do something great with those things, especially our young people. They feel so much pressure to do something great with their life. And then now 24-7, we all get to see if their life is great or not. But see, what's so powerful in Nehemiah chapter 3 is that these people, they're a part of a collective. They're a part of Israel. They've already done something great. They're a part of Israel. That's so great. That's why in chapter 2, they're so offended. They're so deeply wounded. They're like, we're a laughing stock to the rest of the nations, and we're Israel. And in the same way in the New Testament, for those of us who are in Christ, you're a part of the body of Christ. right? When you're in Christ, you've already done something great. Like just, just opening your eyes in the morning because you're in Christ. And so all that pressure we have to do something great, we got to see it as a collective and not just as an individual. Look at verse 8. Next to him, Uziel, the son of Hariah, of the goldsmiths, made repairs. And next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. In verse 8, we see artists are getting involved in this wall building. Not just high priests, not just groups of people, but the artist community, perfumers, goldsmiths. You know how easy it would have been for them to push back and say, <clears throat> uh, I, I, don't, 
I don't do manual labor. I don't, I don't work in the sun. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I'm trained with fine materials. Like, do you know I have a gift? Do you know I have a skill? Do you know you're wasting my talent? Like, I don't, but that's not what we see. And in this chapter, it's so beautiful, a list full of all types of names. And something's happened in these people where they've set aside the individual and they're about what they can accomplish together, what they could do together. That's the opportunity for us, church family. What can we do together? When we started North Village Church with 15 people in our living room, I can guarantee you it wasn't 15 people doing what they wanted to do. That's just a reality. It was not. We would have gotten nowhere. Fifteen people, somehow, God's grace laid aside their personal interest for the good of the whole so that we could do something together and a new church was started. When you launch into a marriage, when you start a family, you, you take two people. If those two people are dead set on doing what they want to do, when they want to do it, where they want to do it, why they want to do it, it's never going to make it. It's got to be two people that lay aside their personal perspective for the good of the whole. That's the opportunity we have, church family. That's the challenge for us. And I just want you to lean in with me on that a little bit. Because I think there's some hesitancy in us. I, I, I don't know if it's the, the pandemic I don't know if it's the economy. I don't know if it's because Austin's changing. I don't know what it is. But I think generally speaking, when I, when I pray about our church family, there's some, there's some hesitation with our church family, but I think in every area of our life, like with career, marriage, parenting, I think there's, I just have this image that keeps coming back to my head of, of like our, our church family is like on, a, on, the, on the shoreline of the ocean. You know when you go to the, to the ocean. The ocean's beautiful, right? The sunsets, the clouds, the birds, the seagulls. It's, it's awesome. But like, sometimes we can just stay on the shoreline of the ocean and never experience the fullness of what the ocean has to offer, right? I mean, you can stay on the shoreline, you're going to experience a, a, a great part of the ocean, but to really experience the fullness of what the ocean has to offer, you got to get in the ocean, right? You got to go from your feet to your waist to just be engulfed. Like, you know those moments when you're in the ocean and you're just getting smacked in the face by a wave and salt, sea salt, like all up in your nose? It's horrible, but it's also awesome, right? Because you're just getting tossed around. Like, you, in those moments, we're experiencing the best parts of what the ocean has to offer. And so in the same way, like really in every area of our life, but especially like with our church family, like let's not just stay on the shoreline. Let's get into the deep end, right? Let's experience the most that the church family has to offer. Like, that's what's, that's a, that's what's available to us. I just, I just have this images of we're on the shoreline, and it's like we have this, this prayer in our head where we're saying, Jesus, I want, I want all that you have to offer, but I only want to give you this part of my life. Do y'all feel that at all? I don't know if this is for everybody. I just sense that in our church family that we generally, we love Jesus. and We're like, Jesus, I want all you have to offer, but I just want to give you this part of my life. I mean, you got to know that it doesn't work that way. The only way we experience that all Jesus has to offer is to, is to go all in with Jesus, to get into the deep end with Jesus. It's scary. 
But that's, that's where you experience the most that he has to offer. It's like what John Legend sang about, right? He said, all of me loves a little bit of you. No, loves all of you. All your joy and perfection. I don't know what he says. But just, all, that's, it, John Legend says it. He says, all in, right? And God's word says it. And then we see that in Nehemiah chapter 3, perfumers. Perfumers are building a wall. The goldsmiths are laying that aside to be like, I'm in. And everybody's a part of it. And you get to see something amazing happen. Look at verse 14. Who doesn't like John Legend? Come on. Verse 14. Malchiah, the son of Rechab, the official of the district of Beth Hakerim, <laughs> repaired the refuse gate. He built it and hung its doors with its bolts and its bars. Some translations use, uh, use the term dung gate because <laughs> the refuse gate is a little nicer. But basically, this gate is the sewage line of the city of Jerusalem. And Malkia, he's, he's an official. He's not like the lowest rung on the ladder of like, hey, you know, get Fred to do it. And, you know, he'll do anything. So something's happened in, in Malkia's life where Right. He's not, well, what, what's the high priest doing? What, what are the men of Jericho doing? Well, how come they don't, why don't I, why'd you pick, you know, well, right? Something's happened, but I don't, I don't care what the title is. I don't care what the role is. I don't care what the recognition is. Uh, I don't care if, I just want to, I want to be a part of God doing something great. And they lived in it for 140 years. So for 140 years, they, they didn't get to this place. For, for generation after generation, they were stuck. And well, I don't, uh, well, <laughs> and then the Lord opened up their hearts. And they got to do something great. That's the opportunity we have, church family. We're right on the, on the, on the shoreline. Like, we, like never before in our, in our history of our church have we had the opportunity we have, but the Lord has to show up. The Lord has to show up in us collectively to move us to this place. The image in the, in the New Testament is not Nehemiah chapter 3. The image in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul picks up this, this, this language and, and he says that we are many members but one body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 he says we're many members but we're one Body, And then he uses the illustration of a body. He says, some of y'all are some toes. Some of y'all are some elbows. Some of y'all got some ears over here and a forehead, some hair follicle and some pelvic bones and some kneecaps, right? And individually, it's just a toe on the ground. There's nothing impressive about a toe on the ground. But collectively, when we come together, it's the body of Christ. It's the hands and feet of Jesus. Like, that's the opportunity we have, church family. And if you were to walk in here, if you're visiting this morning or go to a worship service, our culture is going to say, well, the person on the stage that talks for 30 minutes, that's the most important person. That's what our culture says. That's not what God's word says. That's not what God's word says. God's word says the person on the stage is just as important as the person who made the graphics. It's just as important as the person who made the coffee. It's just as important as the person who played the instrument. It's just as important as the person who prayed. It's just as important as the person who took out the trash. It's just as important as the person who cleaned the toilets. 
And individually, it's just an instrument on a stage. It's just a graphic. It's just a cup of coffee. It's just a clean toilet. But when it comes together, it's the body of Christ. It's many members. One body. So we got to be on guard against that individualistic mindset. It's deeply embedded in us. There's nothing we can do about it. It's there. We just want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to become aware that it's there and to help us move in the direction of seeing the good of the whole and what we can accomplish together. Let's look at our third some point, our last one, the result. Look at verse 28. Above the horse gate, the priests carried out repairs, each in front of his house. All right, when you read chapter 3, you see that phrase, each in front of his house, which means everybody was motivated, right? So you see two things there. You see uh, they're working on a section of the wall, right, that, that each person has a section that they're responsible for, and that when it all comes together, it's a wall, right? But you need everybody to come together because otherwise you just have a section. The purpose of the wall was safety and security, if it's just a section of the wall, that's not very safe and secure. You just walk around that section, right? That's not helpful. But you need, the, you need everybody's section to come together. And then, and then the second part is that they're working on a section of the wall that's in front of their house, in front of their land, in front of their job. So they're, they're invested. They're emotionally attached. And then the end result is you see, you see something beautiful come out of it. And so the, the opportunity for us, the invitation of God's word today is for us to consider well, what is my section? I mean, what, what is the area of our church family that the Lord has entrusted to each of us? And that we would work on that section and that we would trust that the other sections are being worked on wholeheartedly and that together the aroma of Christ can, can come out of us. The, the, the body of Christ can, can come to the surface. And that there would be something beautiful as we're, as we're working on areas where we're emotionally invested. So we're looking at our spiritual gifts where we're passionate, right? That, where we've been gifted, where we've been wired. We're like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the best I can with that area. And I'm going to trust that other people are doing the best they can. And we're going to see something beautiful. That's what can happen. We can't wait till. August 2023 to start. We have to start now to build and belong. And over the days and over the weeks and over the months, it absolutely can happen. It's possible you could push back here and you say, well, Michael, I'm happy. I'm happy to build and belong. I'm, I'm happy to work on a section. Just tell me which section to work on, right? There's a little bit of that. I don't want to step on any boats, just, just anybody's toes. Just tell me what to do and where to go. But did you notice, like we talked about in Nehemiah chapter 3, Nehemiah is not telling them where to go and what to do and how to do it. Chapter 1, he prays. Chapter 2, there's a problem. Here's a plan. In chapter 3, they go. They do it. He said, chapter 2, let's rise and build. They did. That's the invitation for our church family, for us to think about. I mean, what, is it, what does it look like for us to, to, to seek a meal with one another? Like the only way that I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to like, hey, will you go eat lunch with them? And will you go eat lunch with them? And will you talk about these 
these three things and only do it for 55 minutes. And then when you end, like, give them a high five. Like, <laughs> I mean, I could do that. That's not going to be its best. It, it only happens if we take the initiative to, to do that, the spiritual gifts. Like, well, you could do the test online. You know, it, it can just sit in your inbox. At some point, the Lord has to move in us. Like, I'm going to start kind of figuring out how this gift is lived out. I'm going to read some articles. I'm going to talk to some people. I'm going to put it into action. I'm seek peace. I see each of us has to deal with that between us and the Lord. The Lord, is, am I avoiding some people? Has, has there been some hurt feelings that I've harbored over the years? And do I just need to forgive them or do I need to go talk to them so that we can reconcile, so we can grow closer? Like that's the opportunity, right, that we're on that shoreline. And we'd stop just looking at the, sh- at the, at the ocean and we'd actually start to kind of dip our toes in the water. Some of us can jump deep in first, all right, that, that, you can do that, but, but probably most of us, just get your feet wet. Coming on Sunday morning, that's like kind of getting your feet wet. Right? You go to the ocean, you get your feet wet, you're like, oh, that's kind of nice. You feel the waves kind of run over your feet, a little bubbly, like, ooh. But we can't stay there. You can't get back in your car and drive home, right? Same way with Sunday morning, you don't want to just stay there with some water running over your feet. You want to get a little deeper, have it come up to your knees. Oh, now you can't see your feet, ooh. You feel things, some seaweed down there. Was that a shark? I don't know. You get a little nervous, right? Because it, it is a little nervous getting, getting involved in a relationship with one another. You get up to your waist, right? And if you're a boy, then it stings a little bit. You're like, oh, gosh, I was, I'm going to go back to the shore. And you've got to start all over. You've got to kind of warm yourself back up to it, right? And slowly, slowly get out in that deep end. And just feel those waves crashing over us. When, you, when you're at that point in a church family, man, then you're, you're sharing those meals. You're praying for each other. You're opening up your life to one another. You're in each other's homes. You're learning each other's names. You're, 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 you're resolving conflict together. You resolve conflict together. You're closer together. In the moment, you're like, oh, I'm nervous. And then you do it. You're like, ah, friends for life, right? You, you do something together. You serve together. Like when that starts happening, we're in the depths of the ocean. That's what's possible for us, church family. But we got to get in the water. We got to ask the Holy Spirit to help us move into the deeper parts of the water so we can experience the most that we have to offer. Not just in our church, it's in every part of our lives, but especially in our faith and our walk with Jesus. This morning, we're going to close with communion. And our elders are going to come to the front. They're going to hold the cracker and the juice, and it's just a symbol of them serving our church family. Right? And as you, as you come forward to celebrate communion you're not coming forward as an individual we're coming forward as the body of christ and we're remembering that as we walk forward that jesus jesus has already done the greatest work right there's not a work for us to do jesus has already done the greatest work right that he's already jumped into the deep end of the ocean Right? He's already lived the perfect life. He's taken our death at the cross. He's conquered it in the resurrection so that we have full life in him. So as we walk forward, it's not something that we got to do. It's something that he's already done, and he's just inviting us to experience the full life we have in him. So won't you do that? Won't you come forward? If you've yet to believe in Jesus, we ask you to hold off. But if you have, then come. Come. Bow your heads. Close your eyes.